Welcome to You Heart to Hartford. My name is Abe Hefter. I'm an assistant professor of digital media and journalism in the School of Communication at the University of Hartford. On our podcast, we take you inside the University of Hartford and share with you the stories that are being told by the many talented people who are the University of Hartford, faculty, staff, students, alumni, the experience and experiences they are sharing on our West Hartford campus and beyond. Joining us today is LaToya Hampton, class of 2003. LaToya graduated from the University of Hartford with a BA in technical writing. She went on to obtain her Master's of Social Work at the University of Pennsylvania in 2008. Latoya began her career working with teens who were part of the juvenile and uh, welfare systems, and today she works with men and women on death row as a mitigation specialist, and uh, she joins us today from her home in Philadelphia. Latoya, welcome to You Heart to Hartford. Gabe, it's a great it's a great day to be with you. Thanks so much for having me. So, Latoya, I have to tell you, I have so many questions for you. I literally don't know where to start, but. Let's start at the beginning, at, at least the beginning of your career um, in, in higher education, if you will. And, and first of all, talk about your time at the University of Hartford. Oh, well, um, so just like you said, I'm a graduate of 2003 and uh, it seems so long ago. I'm starting to grow to gray hairs to prove it. Um, I, <laughs> I uh, was a technical writing major. Um, I had great professors while I was at Hartford um, that allowed me to 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 be my creative self. And I had actually planned on going uh, and and had the aspiration to to be a comedy writer. I had a minor in creative writing and I wanted to move to New York City and and write for Saturday Night Live. But wow. that didn't happen. I was broke and didn't have two nickels to rub together. So ultimately, I moved back home and the start of my social justice career began. Latoya, tell us a little bit about your time at the University of Hartford, uh, your memories at UHart. I, I had some great memories at UHart. Uh, UHart uh, was the, the reason why I, I started volunteering, uh, you know, making sure that volunteerism was a big part of my life. I was a, a tutor coordinator and a, and a tutor for kids in the uh, Hartford Public Schools. Uh, specifically at Rawson Elementary School, so shout out to Rawson, um, and uh, taught uh, tutor kids uh, with their reading comprehension, and and then I ultimately uh, became a um, a volunteer with Habitat for Humanity. Uh, the Habitat office, student office, was right next door to Educational Main Street, so I got to to know those folks over in there, and and signed up. We actually. Uh, took a spring break down in uh, Albany, Georgia. We drove six 18-passenger vans uh, full of students down to Albany for my my senior year during spring break, and uh, and we built the house from the ground up, and that was a lot of fun. So I had some great memories there. That and and being involved with with the uh, University of Hartford's chapter of Habitat for Humanity um, allowed me to to after graduation, I ended up going back down to Georgia. Um, and in Valdosta and spending uh, ample time there, uh, building a house and, and actually ended up meeting President Jimmy Carter and his wife, Rosalind, First Lady Rosalind Carter. So um, uh, that actually took me to another trip when uh, I volunteered in Pueblo, Mexico, and I got to meet the Carters again and, and they remembered me. So that was that was good. And I, I owe all those memories to, uh, to an experience to the University of Hartford. I don't think that um, I would have 
gotten that opportunity had I not attended UHART. Uh, How is it uh, that you moved on from a BA in technical writing uh, to an MA of social work? What was it that inspired you to take, I guess, this academic and professional path? So I uh, ended up moving back home to South Jersey. That's where I'm from originally, uh, Southern New Jersey, right outside of Philadelphia. Um, and uh, and began working with kids uh, at a youth facility uh, who were uh, in involved in in two systems, uh, either the juvenile justice system or the um, child welfare system. Some were actually Im- involved with both, um, but the kids uh, and and the the ages range from about I want to say six to. 17. You know, once they turned 18, they were no longer wards of the state. And so, um, but during that time, uh, you know, I became more like a a mentor, big sister to them. Uh, They would confide in me a lot and other staff members. And, and I noticed that there was a, you know, the several of the the kids that I worked with there, they, they came to me more than they went to their assigned social workers or psychiatrists or psychologists or, life coaches who were, uh, you know, in a, in a professional, more in a professional realm to help them um, become more acclimated in society. Uh, and so I, I noticed that there was a lack of people who represented these kids uh, and who could understand uh, a little bit of the struggles that they were going through, their backgrounds, their neighborhoods, um, or or just, you know, being, being a, a person of color. So uh, that's what kind of jump-started me to thinking about going and uh, obtaining my master's in social work, and and I ended up at Penn. I understand you uh, considered law school for a while. For a very short time. I I thought that I was going to be, you know, uh, uh, working with the kids. I I started getting my my mind wrapped around family law and juvenile law. Um, And and when when I was in uh, social work school. When I was in grad school, I thought about it. Um, that was pretty much going to be the next step after I had graduated. Um, and I always wanted to combine uh, the legal field with the social work field. Uh, so that was pretty much the next step. But I felt like uh, once I got into the work that I'm doing now, it's it's you know you don't have to be a lawyer in order to do uh, to do legal work. Uh, so that that's that's where I am. What was it like uh, working with teens within the juvenile and welfare systems? Tough. It was uh, it was very tough. You know, you have kids who uh, had a, a lot of emotional uh, disturbances, a lot of uh, family un- instability. Kids that came from neighborhoods that uh, were sucking them into the wrong direction. Um, and and you kind of when I worked with them, it wasn't just the story of them and and the stigmas that were attached to them per se it was all of the systems that they were involved with that pretty much failed them and uh you know the educational system uh the the socioeconomic uh you know being in a different socioeconomic class or or not having um a lot of the resources that uh, a lot of us take for granted so it was tough trying to understand that, um, having the kids understand that and being able to navigate that, um, 
I got a better sense of, of all these things and how they all combine together once I really started uh, working in the field as a social worker. What is it about Latoya Hampton which uh, allowed these teens and encouraged these teens to open up to you the way they did? Listening. Listening, I think nonverbal communication goes a long way. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things that I, I mentor people, especially, you know, recent grads and, and, and people going into any helping profession. Whenever they ask me for a piece of advice, um, the, the one bit of advice that I, I give and to anyone who's trying to help somebody or, or work on their behalf is, you know, learn how to listen uh, and, and, you know, take these stories and experiences that people are telling you. Uh, don't don't lessen their story. Validate exactly what they're saying, um, and that goes a long way. It's a it's a way to build trust. And uh, and so when people are seeing that you are paying them attention and listening to their story, um, empathizing with them, then you know that trust is built, and you can get a lot more done than if you if you didn't put a lot of work into listening. Latoya, during your final year at Penn, you interned at the, um, or with the Philadelphia Public Defender's Office in the Homicide and Special Defense Units. What was it like to work as a mitigation specialist on some of the city's most high-profile sexual assault and homicide cases at the time? And, you know, what is a mitigation specialist? <laughs> That's a good question. I get that question all the time. Um, so we always think when when somebody is um, arrested and, you know, and they start to get involved in the court proceedings, you know, they, they go through a lot of pretrial stuff uh, before they get to their trial and then ultimately they'll get sentenced. Um, there is a story behind every single person that goes in front of a judge and a jury. Um, and so the mitigation specialist um, is someone who uncovers all of the things that we never really get to hear about, um, you know, the person that committed this crime. Now, my moral compass, I never believe that somebody just wakes up one day and decides that they want to go and do whatever uh, crime or atrocity uh, that that they end up doing there's always usually a reason. And so my job as a mitigation specialist is to uncover every single ounce of uh, reason that I can pop possibly, uh, possibly come up with um, uh, that expose this person to, uh, to where they got uh, at that point when they're in front of a judge or a jury. I know you were encouraged uh, by your internship supervisor to continue working in the field and suggested you apply to the office that you are still in right now, which is the Federal Community Defender Office of Pennsylvania. Did you realize, so I know, I know it's now 12 years ago when you first started working at the Defender's Office, that there was a concerted effort to work on appeals on behalf of men and women awaiting death sentences. Not at all. I didn't even know that this this existed. I had I, I'm just 
as confused as you probably are, the listeners. <laughs> um, I had no idea that there was even a, a specialty in in this, you know, a, a working field of, of people that did this, a whole community of people actually that, that do this work. Um, had no idea. I guess it, it was kind of uh, arbitrary the way that it happened. Uh, I, I thought that, you know, my probably last step was to stay at the public defender's office, but unfortunately they didn't have any space for me. Um, so it was a suggestion that I apply to the office I'm in now, and it, 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 it there I stuck. Um, it, it's, it's been a you know, a, one giant just learning twelve years of learning and and trying to understand, um, you know, the 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 death penalty and the criminal justice system and everything that goes into it. It's it's very complicated. And uh, it's something that I'm still learning. I, I don't think that we never stop learning about the uh, the legal system when it comes to the death penalty. So um, no, never in a million years did I ever think that I would end up doing the work that I'm doing now. So when was it and, and how was it exactly that you be first began to work on these appeals? It's, I mean, some days are, are harder than others. I mean, one of the things about Pennsylvania and, and the office that I'm in is that when I first started working there in 2008, um, the majority of my cases that I got assigned to were Pennsylvania uh, death penalty appeals. And so um, those persons right now um, were in kind of a state where the governor uh, put a moratorium uh, on all death sentences in the state of Pennsylvania. So, you know, as long as uh, Governor Tom Wolf is in office, uh, which I think he still has another two years in, into his second term, uh, we don't have to worry about those men and women who were on death row. As the years went on, uh, and our office has been very successful in, in not only stopping uh, our clients from getting executed, but, you know, uh, getting their sentence lessened. I even had the fortunate experience of, of walking a man out of uh, prison who spent 30 years on death row. He actually lives here in the city and, and is, is working and doing well. Um, so we started to get offers, not, not so much offers, but requests to go into different parts of the country and help with other death penalty cases. So we're all over the place now. I, I have cases in Texas and Missouri and Ohio. Um, our office has cases in Nebraska and North Dakota and California. So we're any pretty much every state um, that has the death penalty. We've, we've had our hands on um, some cases there. And we also have cases uh, for, uh, we represent people who are on the federal death row, and that prison um, is in Terre Haute, Indiana. Uh, they've been charged by the federal government. The United States makes the ultimate decision. So when you are working um, on an appeal on behalf of someone, someone who is waiting, awaiting the death sentence, is this a process that involves both the legal work um, that would be necessary to conduct the appeal as well as you know, sitting down with these men and women and listening to their stories. Absolutely. So, so my job as a mitigation specialist, I'm part of a, a legal team, uh, interdisciplinary team of lawyers, and and we hire, you know, psychologists and psychiatrists and and gun experts, uh, you know, uh, 
medical examiners. You, we, we have a whole kind of uh, conglomerate of people who are working on behalf of, of the individual that we're representing. Um, and so we all pretty much uh, either, you know, not myself, because I'm obviously, obviously not a lawyer, but the lawyers, you know, focus on, on the appeals, the litigation process. Um, and my job is to bas basically go out and scorch the earth um, and talk to the client's family members and uh, friends, people he or she grew up with, um, teachers, doctors, and any every single person that this person, this this our client has come into contact with. We try and get as much information as we possibly can because there's always a deeper story than the one that's being told. Um, and and our job is to try and and get the courts. To, to realize that it's it's more that meets the eye to this person that 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 person um, may not you know yes they may have done X Y and Z but there's always usually a reason why that person got the way they are um, we we find out that our clients um, many of them had organic brain damage or uh, you know some sort of conduct disorder, um, neurological disorders that weren't explained during trial. You know, with all the Supreme Court case law and, and state case laws that have come out over the years, we've learned that, you know, had the courts or the juries known about this information, they may not have uh, voted or, or given us that sentence for death. So that's what we're trying to uncover. And I, I spend... Uh, Investigation specialist, um, a large amount of time with with the client as well. I go to the prisons very often. I talk to my clients on the phone. Um, I have clients that call me pretty much every day, uh, and you know, uh, and especially with the COVID situation, um, they're they're more concerned about my health and safety right now than sometimes uh, than than they will want me to be concerned about theirs. So it's you know you. I've grown close to, to my clients um, over the 12 years and, and they've grown close to me and it, and it becomes more like a, uh, you know, a makeshift uh, family because in, in some regards, you're pretty much the, the last person that they have in their corner. So it's, it's a very interesting journey that we all take uh, together. Uh, Latoya, I cannot begin to imagine, and I'm, I hope I'm using the right word here. I cannot begin to imagine the the anguish that you have may have experienced over the years of working in the criminal justice system. Again, I hope I'm using the right word. What helps you get through the difficult times? Humor, definitely. I mean, I, I try and, and every day make sure that I find some way to laugh. I think that, you know, it's uh, when I talk to my clients, uh, it's, it's more trying to you know, relate to them in a a non mitigation specialist, you know, client type of way. We we talk, you know, like we were standing on on a street talking about the weather, and and you know, we talk about sports a lot, and so uh, a lot of laughter. I, I like to laugh. Um, I also know how to put boundaries in play and separate my work life from my personal life. So that is definitely a um, a big plus. I've learned how to do that over the years, and and more so. The older I get, the the more I'm able to to do that separation. I think that it's very important. Yeah, I think those two are the probably the most important things for me to to be able to keep going. So, at the time of this uh, this podcast recording, are are you working on a 
on a series of cases? And is that kind of the, the, the nature of your workload? Yeah. So I have, uh, I have various cases right now. So some cases are, are pretty dormant because of the moratorium that's in Pennsylvania. Um, it's more or less just connecting, con continue that connection with my clients uh, in Pennsylvania and their families uh, for the time being. But for a lot of the cases that I have that are outside the state, like I have a Missouri case um, that, you know, um, unfortunately, you know, even during the time of COVID, uh, the state did execute, I, th I think actually it was the first state to do an execution while we were still uh, in in quarantine for the most part. Um, the state or the, the country was slowly starting to um, put restrictions on, on state uh, movements um, and uh, and being that I couldn't go to Missouri, uh, you know, there was an execution. That was not a case that myself nor my office was working on, but it's it's still, you know, the work is still being done. And, um, you know, we're just trying to come up with creative ways to make sure uh, that it gets carried out to the best of uh, our ability for, for not only my clients, but for other people who are working on behalf of their clients in, in this Big community of uh, death penalty litigators and uh, and and practitioners. Latoya Hampton, uh, class of 2003 at the University of uh, Hartford. Uh, she works with uh, men and women on death row as a mitigation specialist. Uh, her career that has spanned so far uh, 12 years. Joining us today from Philadelphia, Latoya. Uh, thank you so much for this. You're very welcome, Abe. Thank you. Production assistance for You Heart to Hartford is provided by University of Hartford undergraduate students Drew Simino and Josh Fromowitz. I'm Abe Hefter.